coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at my bookie. If you haven't already, guys, don't wait. Go ahead and do it today. Sign up for a brand new account at MyBookie using our promo code UGA. And when you do so, you get that 50% bonus on top of whatever it is that you deposit with that first deposit. So take advantage of this while you can, guys. It's, they're giving you free money, so take them up on that offer. But all right, I am your host, Tyler. And as promised earlier in the week, it is now finally time for our annual Georgia Football Awards episode, obviously this time covering the 2023 season. Yeah, I know we're a couple weeks late, later than we would like to be, but when breaking news hits, as has been the case over the past couple of weeks, you got to cover it and you got to push things like this back a couple of weeks and that's what we've had to do, but it's all good. We're here. We're going to do it today. And this is honestly one of the episodes that I really love to do each and every year because it gives you guys a chance to truly have your voice heard here on the podcast. And and yeah, we always do our mailbag episodes. We want to give you guys a chance to ask any questions that you want. And we want you to be part of this show. That Really, that's why we do the show. This is a show for the people. It's for you guys. It's for the real diehard Georgia fans, which I know is each and every one of you listening out there. And it's always been a priority for us for you guys to have a legitimate voice on this show. And I think of all the episodes that we do throughout the entire year, this is the one that you guys have the most control over. Because every single one of these awards that I'm about to hand out, I'm not handing anyone anything, but I guess I'm about to read out, are voted on by you. I'm not picking the winners. Curtis is not picking the winners. Charlie's not picking the winners. You guys pick the winners, and I'm here to react to those selections. I'll give you my thoughts on whether I agree or disagree. If I would have voted the same way as you guys did, if I would have voted maybe a little bit of a different way. But these picks are all y'all. This is all you guys. And going back a couple years to when we first started this, honestly, I don't remember the exact year that we started doing this award show. I don't think it was the first year, maybe not even the second year that we started doing the podcast. It's crazy to believe we're going on year 10. 2024 will be the 10th season that we've been running this podcast, which is wild to believe. And we're excited about that. We have some some cool things that we're playing to roll out to celebrate that later in the off season. But I can't remember exactly when we started it, but all I do remember is that The initial idea for doing this episode was seeing all of the advertisements every January for all the the celebrity award shows, right? Like the, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, the Grammys, all those award shows that are all happening this time of year. They all happen in January, early February. I never actually watch them. I might look up the winners after the night after, the day after, but I never actually sit down and watch those things. Honestly, I've tried before, but they are legitimately... The most boring things that are ever on television. Like, I don't know how anyone makes it through an entire award show. God bless you if you do. And if you enjoy that kind of thing, great. Also, I mean, I'm not trying to judge anyone. I'm just saying for me, I don't know how it's done. I don't, I don't know how anyone actually sits down and sits, what, they're like two, three hours long. I do not know how anyone makes it through those things. But just seeing the advertisements around this time of year and getting it hyped up. Again, this was years and years ago. I don't remember exactly what year, but the idea just came to me. Oh, man, like we should do a Georgia football award show. Why don't we do our own thing? So the idea was born and we've been doing it ever since. So that's why I say this is a little bit late. We're getting this a little bit later than we normally like to. I like to get to, to, to this like 
two-ish weeks after the season, which is kind of when a lot of those award shows are, are being broadcast. I guess last week was the Emmys, I want to say. Maybe the week before was the Golden Globe. So we're a week or two late, but we're not that late. So we're going to go ahead, as planned, and roll with this. There are 10 awards to hand out today, 10 categories. And the way I went about this is a little bit different this year. In the past, I'd just done Twitter polls and put them on Twitter and had people vote that way. But the issue with that was it was kind of anticlimactic to listen to this episode. Yeah, you get our thoughts on it, but you could just scroll through our Twitter timeline and see who won each category, who won each award. So this year, I wanted to try to keep it a little bit more of a surprise so that we could actually unveil the, the winners here on the podcast. So I just decided to use... Google Forms this time around, which allows me to kind of see the results. It still gives you guys an opportunity to vote on all the awards and pick the winners, but I get to keep the results behind closed doors, and I'm going to unveil them here on the show today. So let's go ahead, guys, without any further ado, let's get to these awards, and there's no, there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason to the order that I'm going to release these in, kind of like the, the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the Grammys. I'm going to save what I believe are the biggest awards for last. But outside of that, there's not really any specific order that these things are going in. All right, so let's go ahead and let's kick things off with the Most Improved Player Award. And this is the award that has been handed out to the player that made the most improvement from 2022 to 2023. The nominees for the Most Improved Player were Titan Oscar Delp, Star Tyke Smith, running back Kendall Milton, and inside linebacker slash edge rusher Jalen Walker. And the winner is Star Tyke Smith with 43.5% of the vote. It was not a runaway by any stretch of the imagination. Kendall Milton made a, a valiant effort on his own, got 30.5% of the vote. Oscar Dub also got uh, a, a nice share of the votes as well with 26% of the votes. Poor Jalen Walker only got one vote. And I have no issue with Tyke Smith winning this award. I can absolutely see the argument for him. However, my personal vote would have gone to Kendall Milton. My reasoning for that is by the time we got to the midpoint in the season, like midpoint of the season to the end of the season, Kendall Milton became the running back that we had all hoped he would be his entire career. Now, he wasn't a five-star recruit coming out of high school out of the state of California, but he was a highly touted guy. And he was getting some, some carries as a true freshman. Not a ton, but he got some carries. But unfortunately, as we all know, his career more or less was derailed by injuries. He just simply could not stay healthy for any extended period of time. And when he was out there on the field and cleared to go, you could tell he still wasn't 100%. He was still feeling the effects of the injury. He wasn't running the way that I always felt that he could. This year, that changed. Now, at the beginning of the year was much the same. I got to tip my cat to Kendall, though. I mean, he was not close to 100% to open this season, but the guy knew he was needed, and as the senior leader that he is, that he was for us, he went out there at far less than 100% and did everything he possibly could for our team. That is what a leader does. That is what a tough dude does, and that's what Kendall always was for us. I had never had any questions about that, the kind of player he was, what he was doing behind the scenes. I never questioned his work ethic. I never questioned, you know, is this guy actually working behind the scenes to get healthy? No, it was never his fault. Sometimes these things just happen, especially when you play a physically demanding position like running back. These things tend to happen. And when you get one soft tissue injury, they tend to come back 
pretty quickly. They flare up on you, and it's tough to fully get away from them. So I just hated it for him. I hated it for the guy because I know what kind of kid he was. I know what kind of leader he was, what kind of family he came from, and I was always rooting for him. But the reality was he was never that running back. He was never that back. Now, at times last year, late in the season, we started to see some of that. There was you know a touchdown run in the SEC Championship game. He did some good things late in the season. But this year, what we saw from Kendall Milton, the back half of the season, once I believe he he got to the point where I think he was the healthiest he had ever been in his time at Georgia. And it was for an extended period of time. I would say for a good month and a half, two months. I mean, listen to these numbers, guys. Over the course of the last five games of the season, so we're talking Ole Miss, Tennessee, Tech, Alabama, Florida State. This guy averaged 103 rushing yards per game, had three games over 100 yards rushing, averaged a whopping 8.5 yards per attempt, and scored nine touchdowns in five games, almost two touchdowns a game. That is an elite running back. That's elite production in the SEC. That's who we all hoped he could be, but he had never been that. Again, largely due to injuries. So if you want to say, well, he was always that guy, he was just hurt. Okay, Maybe, and I, I can understand that argument, but all I'm saying is we had never seen that version of Kendall Milton for that extended period of time. So to me, that's why I view Kendall as the most improved player on this team because, I mean, guys, by the back half of the season, he was one of the better running backs in the entire SEC. His production speaks for itself. He was running harder than I had ever seen him run before in his in his life at Georgia, honestly. And he was more explosive than I had ever seen him be in his entire time at Georgia. He was nothing short of fantastic for us those last five, six games this season. So that's why I would go Kendall Milton. Again, I have no qualms with anyone who voted for Tyke Smith. I totally get that. I guess my reasoning on not voting for Tyke Smith is I felt Tyke has been a really good player since he got here. Now, I know his first year, year here, similar to Kendall Milton, he dealt with injuries, and that derailed that first year, and that kind of opened up the door for a guy like Javon Buller to step in in 2022, and Ty Key was kind of kept out of the starting lineup for the most part because of Javon Bullard's emergence. But when Javon was suspended, Ty Key in 2022, you know, he started that game in Missouri, I thought he played really well in that game. I mean, I don't think he was any more of a, of a different player this year for us than he was last year when he got opportunities. Javon Bullard was just better. But honestly, I'm splitting hairs there. No issues with anyone who voted for Tyke Smith. So Tyke Smith is the winner of our 2023 Most Improved Georgia Football Player Award. Next up, let's go to the Special Teams Player of the Year. This is one of the, the bigger runaway victories, and I thought it probably would be. But our nominees are kicker Peyton Woodring, freshman kicker Peyton Woodring, Kick and punt returner, Makai Muse. Punter, Brett Thorson. Jack of all trades, Cash Jones. Jack of all trades, Dan Jackson. I thought it'd be one of two guys. And as I suspected, it exactly ended up that way. The winner is Peyton Woodring. That's the direction I thought it would go. And I would probably give it to Woodring as well. Now, Makai Muse had some highlights. He had some moments where he made some big-time plays for this team. That was more early in the season. He wasn't as explosive, as much of a playmaker for us later in the season, but still a very good return man for us. One of the better returners that we've had in quite some time here in Athens. I definitely couldn't give the award to Brett Thorson as much as I love Thorson and certainly his social media antics of late. Hilarious dude. He just didn't get many opportunities. I mean, he punted, what, like 32 times or something like that this year? 32, 36 times? Not a lot of opportunities. Now, when he got opportunities, did a good job. Great hang time. 
But Peyton Woodring, I thought, was the obvious answer here. And you guys agree with me. 60.9% of the vote. Peyton Woodring wins Special Teams Player of the Year. He was a little shaky early in the year. If you'd have asked me after like week three or four if Peyton Woodring would have won this award, I would have said, hell no, man. I don't think this guy's going to be our starting kicker by midseason. But he turned it around and became a very, very strong weapon for us as a true freshman. Really steady the ship after, I don't want to say a rocky start to the season, but missed a couple kicks early. But by the end of the year, guys, I mean, 84%, 84%, 21 of 25. He was 14 of 14 from 30 to 39, 4 of 5 from 40 to 49, obviously 0 for 1 from 50, which, um, yeah, yeah, we all know what happened there. But hey, this guy was rock solid for us. I mean, he actually missed two from 20 to 29. Again, that was early in the year. And you're like, what was happening here? Is this guy actually the answer? And he was fine. He stayed the ship as a true freshman and uh, gained a lot of confidence as the season went on. And now next year, we don't have to worry about going into a season with national championship aspirations and a true freshman place kicker, which certainly can cost you. He didn't really cost us. I know he missed the kick in the SEC championship game. I understand that, guys. And look, if he would have made that tie game, probably go to overtime. But, I mean, it, it was a long kick. There was a false start right before it. And kickers are going to miss, especially college kickers, guys. College kickers are going to miss. But when a true freshman goes 21 of 25, 84%, he's got to be the special teams player of the year. And uh, I totally agree with that one. Okay, next up, now this is another one of our most tightly contested awards. The biggest surprise, which is awarded to the player whose play in 2023 most outperformed preseason expectations and this one went back and forth I was kind of watching it as the votes kept coming in over the course of a couple of days and it went back and forth a couple different guys had the lead at different times so this was a close one but our nominees for the biggest surprise player of 2023 are quarterback Carson Beck running back Kendall Milton star Ty Key Smith wide receiver Marcus Rosemead Jack Saint and true freshman inside linebacker C.J. Allen Ultimately, as close as it was, as back and forth as this vote was, the winner was running back Kendall Milton with 37% of the votes. Tied for second, we had Carson Beck and CJ Allen, who both at various times had a slight lead in this voting, but they both ended up with 21.7% of the vote. Tyke Smith came in with 15% of the vote. Marcus Osme Jack Saint with about 8% of the vote. And I tend to agree with you guys on this one. Carson Beck, I, I see the argument for Carson Beck because this guy, we'd, we'd never really seen him play any meaningful downs. We saw him in garbage time duty. He got a lot of garbage time duty as the backup to Stetson Bennett in 2022, but we'd never really seen what this guy could do against like starting defenses, like in real meaningful moments. Like it's his show. He's running the offense. So there were certainly some questions, but if you guys remember back to last offseason, I was consistently saying I felt very strongly that Carson Beck was going to have a very big year for us. Now saying that, I do think that he exceeded even my expectations for him. He was a little bit better than I even thought he would be. I thought he'd be very good for us, but Carson was even better than I thought he would be. And I, I was very high on him coming into the year. One of the things that most impressed me about him was how he performed on the road. Now, we didn't have a lot of road games early in the season. We know how our schedule played out, but that road game at Auburn wasn't a great first half, not just for Carson, for the offense in general, but the way he responded in the second half in a very, very hostile environment. Any of you who were there in the stadium, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That place is wild. It always is when George is there. At least it has been the past, I don't know, five, six times we've been there. It's been crazy, and it was loud. They had a lead. It was nuts, man. 
And Carson, not only did he not falter as the game went on, as the moments got bigger, he got better. He started to thrive in those big moments. He was calm, cool, collected, unflappable the entire season. And that was my biggest question about Carson. How would he handle those moments? I felt very confident. He understood our offense. He'd been in our system long enough. I had seen enough from him in his in his garbage time duty to believe that this guy could make all the throws. I had heard all the right things about him coming out of practice, coming out of camp that I needed to hear from people that I trust. So I was very confident he would be good, but he was a little bit better than even I thought he would be. So if you voted for Carson Beck, which a lot of you did, I get it. Totally get it. CJ Allen, yeah, I I get this one because he's a true freshman and you never really know what to expect from true freshmen. I, I always tell you guys, I never expect anything from true freshmen. Anything we get from them, I count it as a luxury. I do not count on true freshmen. I think if you make it a business that you're counting on true freshmen, you're in trouble if your roster's in that situation. So if you're operating from that point of view, I get why you might have gone with CJ Allen because he did make a, a major contribution to this team. He started multiple games after Pop Dumas Johnson goes out for the season. He was playing a lot prior to that. He was certainly in the rotation. So so I get it. But I would argue with CJ, he had one really, really, really good game against Ole Miss in that first start. But he also had a lot of freshman moments. He He's going to be awesome. And he was really good for us, all things considered, as a true freshman. You factor in the context of this guy's a true freshman playing in the SEC, playing meaningful snaps. He's a very talented athlete, really, really good football player, high football IQ, all of those things. Going to be fantastic for us. But he was also a freshman. And there were plenty of freshman moments, even freshman games, guys. I mean, against Alabama, wasn't great. Against Georgia Tech, wasn't especially great. Even against Tennessee, wasn't especially great. Not terrible, but wasn't, I think, what he was made out to be by a lot of people throughout the season. I know the Ole Miss game, he was fantastic. I mean, that that game, I'll give the guy credit. He was spectacular in that game. But there are a lot of things he's got to work on. He's a, a step slow. He was a step slow in his reads at times. And I get it. He's a true freshman. He's still thinking out there. I think he allowed linemen to get up on him and get their hands on him and control him far more than I would have liked to have been the case. I think he got caught with poor eyes from time to time, which, hey, that happens to the best of them, especially true freshmen. So I'm not trying to kill CJ Allen. I'm just saying that's why I didn't vote for him as the biggest surprise. Because number one, coming into this season, even going back to like spring practice and certainly fall camp, I was hearing great things about this guy, about how he was picking up the defense, how he was going to be part of the rotation. So I expected him to be part of the rotation. Did I expect him to start? No, but that really happened because of injury. And when he was forced into more snaps in in starting games. I thought that his youth showed at times. We'll just leave it at that. Really good player, going to be awesome, did a lot of great things for us, but there's still clearly some some things to work on, which is the case for every true freshman. Still very excited about CJ. My vote would have gone to Kendall Milton, which most of you did vote for Kendall, 37%. It was a tight vote, but Kendall ultimately did end up winning this one. And I go back to what I was saying earlier about Kendall. I I didn't expect Kendall to be our lead back this year. And, And Maybe he really wasn't the, the true alpha feature bat because Dejan Edwards was, was right there. I mean, starting most of the games, they were splitting carries. But my expectation coming to the year was Branson Robinson, right? Like that was going to be the dude. He was going to be the feature back, but then he goes down in spring. Well, he goes down late in spring practice, comes back in fall camp, then goes out for the season in fall camp. At that point, I'm like, man, I don't know. Kendall was banged up through pretty much all the spring practice. It was banged up in fall camp, was 100% to start the season. I was just waiting for Dejan Edwards to get back. And then Dejan comes back and immediately takes over the starting job against the Lions share of the carries. That's a great job because Dejan's just a dude, man. That guy just works and produces us all that man ever did for us 
And then Kendall is still trying to work himself back from injury. But then again, about halfway through the season, this guy kicks into high gear and becomes a different player, a different version of himself than we had seen at any point in his career here in Athens. So for me, coming into the season, I didn't really have any expectations for Kendall. I was like, if we get something from him, great. But at this point in his career, he's just been injured so consistently, I can't count on any kind of production from him. If we, it's kind of like true freshman. If we get production from him, great. But I can't count on it at this point. Again, not his fault, but you just, I didn't go into the season counting on it. And to see what he became the last half of the season, he's got to be my vote for biggest surprise of the 2023 season. All right, guys, we've got plenty more. we got, what, seven more awards to hand out. But first, I do want to remind you about our great friends at MyBookie. College football season might be behind us, unfortunately, but there's still plenty of options to bet on right now. Obviously, the Super Bowl is the big one coming up here in two weeks, less than two weeks. I really want to bet against the Chiefs. I really want to bet on the 49ers, but then you think about it, it's like Patrick Mahomes. How do you how do you bet against this guy? I don't know, guys. I'm still working it out, but if you know who you want to bet on, there's no better place to do that at than my bookie, especially when it comes to the Super Bowl. They're going to have all sorts of prop bets. There are going to be things to bet on that you didn't think was even possible to bet on. Of course, you're going to have your player props. You got the game line. You got the team totals. You got the point total. You got all of those, but then you're going to have prop bets on who wins the coin toss. Is it heads? Is it tails? Who wins? You're going to have prop bets on how long does the national anthem go? I don't know this for sure, but knowing how this season is gone when all the Chiefs games are broadcast, it's hard to imagine there's not going to be a prop bet on how many times Taylor Swift has shown. So, so many options for you guys to be able to win some money with the Super Bowl this season. So go ahead, sign up for an account at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA when you do so. If you're a new user, they're going to hook you up with a 50% bonus on whatever that first deposit is. So if you deposit 200 bucks, you get an extra $100 to play with. It's all good, guys. You can make even more cash to put in your pocket. And you know what? You can build yourself a nice little pot, a nice little bankroll for college ball season coming around in, I don't know, like eight months. But it'll be here before we know it. Or just win a lot of money and go on a vacation. Do something nice for yourself. Treat yourself. But whatever you do, sign up for a brand new account at mybookie.ag. Use our promo code UGA. And bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. All right, guys, next up, let's go with the glue guy award. Now, this is a term that's usually applied to basketball, typically college basketball. We are in the midst of college basketball season. I love me some college basketball. So I kind of borrowed that term for our purposes. And this is a new award. I don't think we've ever given out the Glue Guy Award. At least we haven't called it the Glue Guy Award. But this award is given to the player that most consistently does the dirty work, makes the quote-unquote winning plays that are critical to team success but rarely yield personal acclaim. That is the definition of this award. That's a glue guy, guys, right? Like all these college basketball games you're watching, the glue guy is the guy that never really leads the team in scoring, but he's the one that's always diving on the court. He's always making the right pass, the right play. He's always making a deflection, hustle plays. That's what these guys do. So I just kind of adapted that for college football and for the Georgia football team specifically. So our nominees for the glue guy award are nose tackle, Nazir Stackhouse, Wide receiver, Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint. Edge defender, Chaz Chambliss. Tight end, Oscar Delp. And most of these awards have only four nominees, but I had to throw in a fifth nominee for this award. Running back, Dejun Edwards. And the winner is Marcus 
Rosamie Jacksaint with 47.8% of the votes. Dejan Edwards came in second with 34.8% of the votes. He made a late run, but wasn't quite enough to catch up with Marcus. And you guys nailed this one. This is totally 100% the correct answer. I have had so much respect for this guy for three years now because he was never the feature guy. Now, this year, he did much more for us in the passing game. He was more of a receiving threat than he ever had been. And I always felt that he could be. In fact, I think he could have taken it to to another level. Right now, if you pay attention to any of the Senior Bowl stuff, I know today was just day one, but he's already getting some really positive reviews out there. He's like, you know, a guy that came into the Senior Bowl probably is like a late round guy trying to even just get to the point where he could be drafted. Well, now he's kind of moving up a little bit. I know it's only day one. We'll see what happens from there. But that doesn't surprise me at all because I believe Marcus can be a really good receiver. Will he ever be like a a number one, like true alpha receiver? I don't know if he'll ever be that in the NFL. I don't know know if he would ever been that in college, but I think he could have been a guy that gave us, you know, 800-ish yards if he was featured that way. We just had so many options that, you know, especially when you have a guy like Brock Bowers, that Marcus never really had to play that role. But the reason I would have voted for Marcus has nothing to do with the talent as a receiver, which I think he does have. He was a big-time guy coming out of high school. But this guy bought in to the Georgia program and the Georgia culture better than just about anybody on the team. Now, we have a lot of great culture guys, a ton of them. And all these nominees for this award certainly fit that category. But Marcus, for me, has always been right there at the top of that list. Remember, this guy, again, was a big-time receiving recruit coming out of high school at St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Big-time high school, big-time receiver recruit. I remember watching this guy on ESPN in one of those Friday night games. Big-time player coming out of high school. And it never really materialized for him as a receiver. Now, again, he had a much better year this year catching the football. Did some good things for us last year, especially with A.D. Mitchell missing the vast majority of the season. So it wasn't like he was just like, you know, an also-ranged receiver. He did some really good things for us. But what this guy did in the blocking game, not only was he a good perimeter blocker, he was a ferocious perimeter blocker. Not only was he a ferocious perimeter blocker, he was a willing and eager perimeter blocker and he is the was and still is the antithesis of a diva wide receiver in an era where pretty much every receiver is a diva like more or less I don't say all of them most of them out there are especially the big time guys that is not what Mark Rosemey Jackson is that is not even close to what this guy is this dude is a freaking football player. He is a team guy. He is a culture guy. He didn't care if he was getting the glory. He didn't care if he was featured. He wanted to do whatever it took to win football games for the University of Georgia. Whatever his role had to be for that to happen, he was going to embrace it openly and eagerly. And he did it time and time again, year after year after year. And I still to this day and always will have so much respect for this guy for the type of teammate he was and the type of football player he was for the University of Georgia. And I'm going to be rooting like hell for this guy to make a team, which I believe that he will, and have as much success as possible in in the NFL because this guy, like a lot of our players, absolutely deserves it. Now, I can say that a lot of the same things about Dejon Edwards, absolutely. That's why I had to add an extra nomination here and put him on there because this guy, you know, first two years on campus was just a garbage time player. And, you know, there's no guarantee he was ever going to be a part of the rotation, let alone the starting running back, which is what he developed into this year. When he got opportunities in 2022, 
the guy made the most of them. I mean, we don't win that game at Missouri without Dejon Edwards. We don't. And he became one of the toughest players on the entire team. Never complained. Even when he wasn't getting the carries. Never complained. All he did was work, man. All he did was work. And all he did is when he got opportunities, produce. That's all the guy did. Love him. Love him to death. Appreciate him. Value him. Respect him. So if you voted for Dejan, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. I just, I had to go with Marcus because... Again, what he did, like Dajan was at least became like the starting running back at some point. It was getting the lion's share of the carries for most of the season until Kendall really came on late in the season. But Marcus, well, he got more touches, more receptions this year. That never he was never that guy, right? He was never the first or really the second option. But he was always the most vigilant blocker out there and did all the dirty work, the things that most people don't pay attention to. I do. I know most of you do, but your average fan doesn't pay attention to those kind of things. He didn't care. He did what it took for this team to win games, and I love him for it. Okay, next up, we've got a similar award. There's a little bit of overlap here, but we got the Tough Guy Award. And this is awarded to the player that best exemplifies the qualities of toughness, perseverance, and courage. I also had to have five nominees for this award as well. I thought there were five guys that I just couldn't leave one of them off. So the nominees are running back, Kendall Milton, linebacker, Smile Munden, Tight end, Brock Bowers, wide receiver, Lad McConkie, running back, Dejon Edwards. And the winner is, with 45.7% of the vote, narrowly edging out running back Kendall Milton, tight end, Brock Bowers. I agree, guys. Look, I could honestly make an argument for any of these guys. I think there's a couple of them that have stronger cases than the others. Brock being one of them. I think Kendall certainly has a really strong case. Again, as I said earlier, was not healthy to open the season, but went out there, knew he was needed, and played his heart out. Did everything he could. Wasn't healthy. Wasn't particularly great early in the year because he couldn't be great. He wasn't fully healthy. But the guy was out there putting on the line for his team. That's a tough dude, especially with how he had to fight back really all of his career. I mean, just the mental for it, you guys. Toughness is not just physical. It's also mental. And this guy bouncing back from injury after injury throughout the course of his career, I don't think the average person understands how much toughness it takes to bounce back like that, especially when you have such high expectations and you've had a really good offseason and then boom, now you're out with injury. I mean, I'm dealing with an injury myself right now, not as severe as what Kendall is dealing with, but I've been training for a marathon and I ran 18 miles on one of my long runs two Saturdays ago and I was fine Saturday, fine the next day on Sunday, kind of okay Monday, but on Tuesday I tried to run. My Achilles is all nagging on me, man. And here we are about a week and a half later, still dealing with it. Can't run right now. Just went out actually right before this, tried to go, ran about maybe a half a mile, started flaring up on me again. So I'm doing all sorts of rehab. I know no one cares about me, but what I'm just trying to tell you guys is it's tough, man. Like the mental wear and tear when you deal with something like that. And I'm just, this is one injury, right? I mean, this is, this is nothing. Kendall, all those injuries, being able to fight back from that, man, that is toughness. But for this season, if this if we're limiting this award to this season, not like a career award, I think you got to go Brock Bowers. I mean, this guy's not human. Going through the tightrope surgery, coming back in an unprecedented amount of time, and wasn't healthy when he came back. Had no business, honestly, coming back. Yes, he was cleared to come back, but just because you're cleared doesn't mean it doesn't hurt like hell. I've told you guys this before. I'll tell you again. I have it on very, very good authority that in the the tunnels of Mercedes-Benz Stadium after the game, Brock Bowers basically could not walk. I can also tell you on very good authority that it was not a foregone conclusion that he was not going to play in the Orange Bowl. The guy was 
training and rehabbing as hard as he could to get back for that game. But by the time the game rolled around, he just wasn't quite there yet. So obviously doesn't go. But man, the the effort this guy went through, the rehab that he put in in such a short amount of time, the links that he went to to get back for our team to try to push for that third consecutive national championship, that's legendary stuff, man. This doesn't happen like that. And then on top of that, just the way he plays, the physicality that the guy plays with, he's just a tough dude. So Brock definitely got my vote. I didn't vote in this, but he would have gotten my vote. Kendall would have been a close second for me. I think Ladd, I mean, Ladd also had a, had a nice showing here. He got 20, almost 24% of the vote. And a lot of the things I said about Kendall with the mental forward to mean Ladd, this is this was going to be his year, right? Like he was going to be the guy for us. Him and Brock were going to be the guys catching the football from Carson Beck, going for that third consecutive national title, doing something that hadn't ever been done I mean, really in the history of college football, at least since the AP era, and he, right off the bat, missed the first month of the season. I mean, that's incredibly frustrating. Then he comes back, not quite 100%, can do a little bit, he gets better and better, and then he twists his ankle against Ole Miss and thinks he's fine for the game. He says, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm good, but he's not fine. Tries to go out there and play against Tennessee, clearly was not fine, could not finish that game, couldn't play against Tech. Played in the SEC Championship game, a lot like Brock Bowers. I'm telling you guys, he wasn't close to healthy. I mean, you can see him, just, if you're, I don't think on the TV copy, but in the stadium, he was limping off the field onto the sidelines. I mean, the, the guy just wasn't healthy, but he was out there doing what he could for his team, man. So if you voted for him, I get it. I can't blame you for that. Any of these guys are deserving, but Brock Bowers would have gotten my vote. All right, our next award is for the best newcomer. Now, this is awarded to any newcomer. It doesn't have to be a true freshman. It can be a redshirt freshman. I'm going to classify those as newcomers. I know they were on the team last year, but they didn't really play. A guy like Christian Miller, for instance, also transfers as well. So the newcomer who made the biggest impact on the team in 2023. We've got five nominees here. We've got Dominic Lovett transferring in from Missouri. True freshman C.J. Allen. Redshirt freshman Christian Miller. True freshman Raylan Wilson and redshirt freshman Ernest Green. This was pretty tightly contested among three guys, kind of went back and forth. But ultimately, the winner for the best newcomer of the season is true freshman linebacker C.J. Allen with 42.2% of the vote. Dominic Lovett came in second with 31% of the vote. Ernest Green was right there with 29% of the vote. Raylan Wilson got 2%. Poor Christian Miller did not get a single vote, which I'm not necessarily surprised by that, but I want to throw him in there because I thought he did a good job for us on the interior of our defensive line. I understand why CJ got the votes here. I understand why he ended up winning this award. I would have voted for Dominic Lovett, however. I think he made more of an impact consistently throughout the season on our team. I thought he was a better player than C.J. Allen. I think, as I said earlier, I think C.J. was great for us. He did a lot of really good things, especially considering he was a true freshman, but he was also a true freshman. And there were some true freshman moments, some true freshman mistakes, and teams were able to exploit him at times late in the season, especially as he started playing more snaps when Pop went down with an injury. Teams were able to see what he did not do as well, what he struggled with, and they went about attacking him, and also Raylan Wilson as well, in that fashion. Doesn't mean he wasn't a good player. Doesn't mean he wasn't really viable for us. He was, but I just think Dominic was a better player for us last season than C.J. Allen was, and I know C.J. Allen got a lot of hype because he was really good for a true freshman by those standards, but Dominic Love was the better player. He was a more impactful player for us throughout the season, in my opinion, than C.J. Allen was. I mean, Dom started from week one. He was starting from week one. He was a week one starter. CJ didn't start until the Ole Miss game. So Lovett would have to get my vote on that one. All right, next up, we've got the best play. 
pretty self-explanatory. The best play of the season. I've got four nominees here. We've got Dylan Bell's touchdown pass to Marcus Rosemead Jackson against Tennessee, which gave us the lead in that game, a lead that we would never surrender. Lad McConkey's 41-yard touchdown catch and run against Florida, which helped us extend that lead and, and, and eventually run away from Florida in that game. Nazir Stackhouse's interception and 44-yard return against Missouri. Now, most of that return was called back, but still, interception, big return for the big guy, the nose tackle, Nazir Stackhouse. And finally, Brock Bowers' 40-yard game-winning touchdown reception against Auburn. And with 56.5% of the vote, the winner is Brock Bowers' 40-yard game-winning touchdown reception against Auburn. This is the correct answer, guys. There were two that I, I thought would probably, I don't want to say be neck and neck, but they would be the, the top two vote-getters. I thought it would be Brock Bowers' 40-yard game-winning touchdown against Auburn, and also the, the Nazir Stackhouse interception. Those have been my top two, and that is how it played out. So Brock got 56.5% of the vote. The Stackhouse interception got 26%. Uh, the Dylan Bell touchdown pass against Tennessee to Marcus Rosemey Jackson also got 15.2%, a little bit more than I thought it would get. Poor lad, only got 2% of the vote with that one, which I get. I probably would have voted that one last among the four. But Brock Bowers, 40-yard game-winning touchdown reception against Auburn, that's got to be the winner here. There was no more impactful play on our season than that play. Do we still win that game without Brock making that play? Maybe, probably, but there's no guarantee. And I know we're limiting this to one single play, but it's hard to also forget what Brock did leading up to that point. He took over the game, guys. In the fourth quarter, the man said, give me the freaking ball and took over the game like a two-time Mackey Award and a three-time All-American should. And that's exactly what he is and that's what he did in that game and capped it off with that ridiculous 40-yard catch. And it wasn't like he was wide. I mean, yeah, he was open, but it was not, not just the catch. It was the catch and run, the bouncing off guys, the toughness, the physicality, doing things that only Brock Bowers does. And it could not have come at a bigger moment in that game. I mean, guys, that game was tied. There was a very realistic chance we could have lost that game. Absolutely. We were on the ropes there in the second half. But Brock showed up in a huge way in the fourth quarter. And when Brock plays like that, you're not stopping him. You're not beating Georgia. Carson made some nice reads, made some nice throws. But Brock Bowers put our team on his back in that game and essentially willed us to victory. So that's got to be number one for me. Now, if you voted for Nas Stackhouse's interception, which a lot of you did, about a quarter of you did, I get that. That would have been number two for me because let's not forget that game. So when he made that interception, we were up by six points. Missouri was at, at our, what, about 50-yard line in that game at that point in the fourth quarter. If he doesn't pick that ball off, we don't know what would have happened. They might not have gone down the score, but they very easily could have scored a touchdown on that drive and they take a late lead. I know that... The, the interception wasn't as impactful as it could have been because got called. He the interception stood, but the return largely got called back. I think it was a block in the back. But the point remained: that was an absolutely massive play. The stadium went wild when that happened, and for good reason, because there was no guarantee they were going to win that game. We were up by less than a touchdown. They are driving at about midfield with a chance to take the lead late in the game and put all of the pressure on us. I do want to give C.J. Allen some credit on that play because, yes, Nas made the interception, but it was C.J. Allen on the pressure. It's a delayed blitz, and he got the pressure on Brady Cook that caused the rush throw and led to the interception by Nas Tackles. Now, Nas did the rest, and it was awesome watching the big man rumble down the field. I really wish that he would have scored and the play would have stood, but it wasn't to be. But nonetheless, 
an, a fun play, a rare play, an awesome play, and also a very important play. So if you voted for that one, I can't blame you. It makes a lot of sense. I just have to go with the Brock Bowers touchdown catch against Auburn to win that game. Okay, guys, we have our three biggest awards left to hand out, and we will hand those awards out in just a a moment. But first, I do want to remind you about our friends at Alumni Hall. Whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever Georgia gear, accessories you're looking for, Alumni Hall is going to have it. And actually right now, they have a bunch of new hats they just got in, in stock. And now guys, they have this massive hat wall. So if you've been in there, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never actually been in the store and you've only shopped online, they have about every Georgia hat you could possibly imagine, like things that you didn't even know went on hats with a G, different kind of logos, vintage logos. You guys know I'm a vintage guy. So many options for you out there. And uh, for all of you follically challenged people like myself, you know, a hat's kind of an accessory that you need on a pretty much daily basis. So they got a ton of new styles. They've got a bunch of trucker hats. They got the, the new court hats, which are very in vogue right now. People love these things. I'm not one of those guys because I feel like I'm too old maybe <laughs> to be doing that. But I know some of you young guys out there, you love those those hats. And they got a ton of those. Got some vintage, some throwback ones. They've got the Nike golf hats, which are the ones I love because I run in those and they, they really absorb the sweat well. Those are great, the performance hats. They have the flat bill stuff if you're into that. Whatever style, trust me, whatever kind of hat you're looking for, They've got it. They got camo hats, anything, everything. They've got you. And of course, they have all the great gear you want, all the home and office decor, stuff for your car, whatever you're looking for. Trust me, whatever you're looking for, they've got you covered because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, we have three awards left, and these are the big ones. We're going to start with our two MVP awards. So we're breaking this down into offensive MVP and defensive MVP, and then our final award will be for the most outstanding player. Yes, I always differentiate between MVP and MOP. I don't believe that your most valuable player always has to be your most outstanding player. I think those words mean different things. Valuable and outstanding mean different things. Now, your MVP could be your MOP, certainly could be, and we'll see what you guys think here. But let's start with our offensive MVP. We've got four nominees, and those nominees are Quarterback, Carson Beck. Center, Cedric Van Pran. Tight end, Brock Bowers. Running back, Dajan Edwards. And in one of the biggest surprises of the entire award show, in my opinion, of all these categories, the winner, the runaway winner, is quarterback Carson Beck. It's not that I don't agree that Carson was an extremely valuable piece of our offense. And in fact, he might have been the most valuable player in our team. Very well might have, been, especially considering the injuries that Brock Bowers dealt with. I just didn't see Carson winning this in as much of a landslide as he did. 71.7% of the vote. Brock got 21.7%. Dajan 4.3%. And Sed got 43 himself. I thought that Carson might end up winning the award. I just didn't think it'd be that by that wide of a margin especially when you're talking about a guy like Brock Bauer. So yeah, Carson Beck, 71.7% of the vote as the 2023 Georgia football offensive MVP. I think I agree with this. It's hard to not say Brock Bowers because when he is on the field, he attracts so much attention. Team had to game plan around him. Like he is the feature guy that every team's coordinator had to game plan around. And you could use him in ways to get him the football to create explosive plays, certainly, but you also could use him as a decoy at times, which we certainly did. And you can you can certainly scheme things up with him and do things offensively that you might not be able to do when he's not in the football game. So Brock, when he's on the field, it's hard to not say he's the most valuable player. I mean, it's it's difficult. But 
the quarterback is also the most important position on the field. And the ball is in the quarterback's hands far more than it is in a tight end's hand, even if that tight end might very well be the greatest tight end in college football history, the only two-time Mackey Award winner in the history of college football, one of only three three-time All-Americans in Georgia football history. And on top of that, with Carson playing at as high of a level as he did throughout this season, I see why you voted for him. I see why you voted for him. In fact, I think I probably would have voted for Carson as well. Again, for the reason I just laid out. He is the quarterback that is unquestionably on any team the most important position on the field. That's why all these quarterbacks get drafted so high in the first round of the NFL draft because it's the most important position on the field. It's hard to play. There's more responsibility that's put on that player than anyone on the entire team. And if you aren't set at quarterback, if you don't have a good one, you're not winning at a high level. You can screw around and win some games. You can scheme around. You can win some games. So you have a really talented player somewhere else on the team, but you're not going to compete for championships. You're not going to win championships if you don't have a dude at quarterback. And you know what, guys? We're lucky. We had a dude at quarterback and we still got that guy. So Carson, yeah, I, I don't think he was the most outstanding player, which we'll get to in a minute here. But if you're taking the term valuable, most valuable player in its truest sense, especially considering the injuries that Brock had this year, missing a couple of games, I think the answer is Carson Beck. And it's hard to say because Brock is so great. I mean, he is greatness personified, one of the greatest Georgia Bulldogs of all time. I still think you have to go Carson Beck as the offensive MVP. Now, Cedric Van Pram, I thought he might get a little bit more love on this award than, than he did. Only got a, a handful of votes, but... I see, you know, he plays center. He plays center. I understand that. It's not a glamour position. But in terms of offensive line play, that is a, a central part of our offense. And him, him calling out protections and, and getting the offensive line set, all those things, that's critical. And his leadership, that's a big part of, of our success offensively. So Cedric was great for us, but I still think you have to go Carson back. That's just the most important position on the field. All right, next up, defensive MVP. Now, this one was a little bit more competitive. And it actually was another award that went back and forth. Different guys had the lead at different times throughout the course of voting. And our nominees were cornerback Kamari Lasseter, safety Malachi Starks, star Tyke Smith, and safety Javon Bullard. Getting the theme here? Yeah, I know. They're all secondary players. Let me ask you, who else deserved to be in that, guys? I thought long and hard. I was like, come on. It's got, we have to have somebody up here who's not a secondary player. There's got to be somebody on the defensive line, one of the linebackers, but I, I couldn't in good conscience put them up there because I think these were the four best nominees. I mean, you could say Smile Munden, sure, but he was banged up a lot and did not have the same caliber year that he had in 2022. We talked about it ad nauseum seemingly every week on the show during the season. We just didn't have those guys this year on the defensive line. Like Who, who would you put up there as a defensive line nominee for most valuable player on the defense. I, I don't know who that guy was. So I know it, it seems kind of weird here to have all four nominees being the secondary, but I believe that was the strength of our team. It was the strength of our, the strength of our defense, I should say. And I think those guys deserve it. So yes, I know, I know. It's not ideal. I would love to have the, the love spread around a little bit here, but we got all four secondary guys. But anyway, the winner is with 45.7% of the vote, Kamari Lassiter. Congratulations, Kamari. You are defensive MVP this season. Again, this one went back and forth a couple times. Kamari did make a late push and end up, I don't say he didn't run away with it, but get 45% of the vote. Tyke Smith ended up with 24% of the vote. Javon ended up with 20%. And Malachi Starks ended up with 13%. I 
would have given Malachi Starks far more consideration than he got here. I'm actually surprised that Malachi ended up last in this voting. I'm very surprised that he ended up behind Javon Bullard because Malachi's a better player, guys. I mean, sorry. I know it's, I know valuable and outstanding are different, but in this case, I mean, Malachi was the better player than Javon, and I think you know they essentially played the same position, similar positions. He, he was more valuable, in my opinion, than Javon Bullard, in my opinion. I thought Tyke was awesome for us this year. You guys know that. I talked about him all year long. I thought he was fantastic for us. Did a great job defending the run and inserting against the run with his run fits, which I felt he would do a great job. That's what he was built to do. He's always been good at that, even going back to when he was at West Virginia when he was a 13 mile American. Where he surprised me was in his coverage ability. That was my concern for him coming to the year. I had concerns there because that's never been his strong suit at the college level. And he I don't want to say he was elite as a cover guy, but he was much better than I thought that he would be and much better than, than he had been in his career. So I, I can certainly see an argument for Tyke Smith. That is a critical position in our defense. But my vote would have gone for Kamari. You guys know I say this often. I don't believe in the notion of shutdown corners anymore. Now, did they once upon a time exist? Yes, but I think those are dinosaurs now. Guys like Deion Sanders, they're not allowed to exist anymore. They are extinct because they have been ruled into extinction. They've been legislated into extinction. But saying that, that doesn't mean that you can't still have a cornerback who largely takes away half of the field. And Kamari, for the most part, did that for us. Now, yeah, he gave up a couple catches here and there, but he was fantastic for us. In fact, I even considered giving him a nomination for most improved player, but I thought he was really good for us in 2022. Not as good as he was this year, but I mean, we talked about it all 2022. Like, he was our best cover guy. It wasn't Keely Ringo. I mean, if you watch games, you know that. So, I mean, I thought he was better than maybe he got credit for last year. So that's why he didn't get the a nomination for most improved, but I had to put him on the defensive MVP list here and give him a, nom- a nomination for that. And I think justifiably so, he wins this award when you have a cornerback, especially when you have a young, inexperienced guy on the other side of the field, you need someone that you can lean on. Again, I can't call him a shutdown corner because I don't think those guys are allowed to exist. But when he could, for the most part, take away an entire side of the field and allow us to provide more help to the other side of the field where you have that young inexperienced player in Dalen Everett and at times Julian Humphrey, that is incredibly valuable. And that is what this award is about. Who was the most valuable player on the defense? I think it's gotta be Tyke Smith with what he allowed us to do to kind of, I don't wanna say compensate for Dalen Everett and Julian Humphrey. I don't think we had to necessarily always compensate for them, but they're younger, they're inexperienced, they're not as good as Kamar last year, at least they were not last year. So you want to be able to help those guys a little bit more over the top than Kamar. So if Kamari can handle his business on his own over there, for the most part, that's incredibly valuable to your defense. It allows you to do a lot of different things from a structural standpoint, from a coverage standpoint, and Kamari was just was awesome for us. Definitely, in my opinion, the most valuable player on this defense, although I love Malachi Stars. I can see an argument for that as well. And that leaves us, finally, with the biggest award of the night, most outstanding player. This was really a two-man race. Early on the voting, it was kind of neck and neck between these two guys before one of them ultimately ended up running away with it. And I and I think justifiably so. So most outstanding player, self-explanatory, the best player on the team, most talented player on the team, whatever. The nominees are quarterback, Carson Beck, safety, Malachi Starks, cornerback Kamari Lassiter, tight end Brock Bowers. 
I think you guys can probably guess who wins the award. Yeah, the winner is the greatest tight end in the history of college football, Brock freaking Bowers with 67.4% of the vote. Now, early in the voting, it was fairly neck and neck with Brock and Carson, actually. But Brock, again, late. there was a late surge for Brock over the last 24 hours or so of the voting, and he definitely jumped ahead of Carson by a wide margin. Carson ended up with 26% of the vote, so about a quarter of the vote. Kamari ended up with 9% of the vote, and Malachi ended up with 4% of the vote. And honestly, I'm not exactly sure what needs to be said about this award. Like, what kind of analysis do we need to throw out there? Brock Bowers not only was the best player on the team, he very well could have been the best player in the country, certainly when he was healthy. And as I've said several times today, the greatest tight end in college ball history. One of the greatest Georgia Bulldogs to ever suit up in the red and black. I know he was hurt for a couple of games. I understand that, and maybe that factored into some people's votes. I'm honestly very surprised that so many people voted for Carson Beck. And again, I, I voted for Carson as most valuable, but I separate valuable and outstanding. Carson Beck was very, very good for us this year. I mean, awesome for us this year, especially as a first-year starter. But he wasn't as good as Brock Bowers. I mean, come on, guys. Like, really, he wasn't, right? I mean, Brock Bowers was the best player on this team. He has been for, like, basically since he got here. I know in 2021, we had some studs. You know, you have N'Kobe Dean, you got Quay Walker, you got Jordan Davis, you got Jalen Carter last year. So we've had some freaking studs out there. But we'll see where Brock goes in the NFL draft. He probably will end up going higher than any of those guys. And what I would argue is that Brock was better at his position than any other player on the team this year, certainly this year. I would also say last year, Jalen Carter would make a really strong argument there. That's tough, okay? That's really tough. Um, you can say Marius Mims, Broderick Jones were really good. Their positions, Marius didn't play enough this year. I wanted to put him on this list because he's that talented, but he just didn't, he didn't play enough. I know Brock missed some games, but Marius missed you know, three-fourths of the season. Brock missed what? Four games? And I think that's the only argument against him here. So if you voted for Carson, you're just like, well, he played every game and, and Brock didn't play every game. Okay, I, I can respect that. I can get that. But if you're asking me who's the best player on the team, it was Brock Bowers this year. It was Brock Bowers last year with a with a strong ar- argument to be made by Jalen Carr that maybe he was the guy, but I would still give the, the edge to Brock. We're talking about the greatest tight end in college football history. Those guys just don't happen. Like Really, really awesome defensive tackles are rare, but guys like Brock, those are even more rare. It's just a different guy. So Brock absolutely, unquestionably, would have been my vote. Now, my second vote, I actually have a little bit of a disagreement here. I think Carson was great. I love Carson Beck. You know, I mean, we've talked about him all year. I was raving about him basically since week one. Everybody was killing him, calling him a checkdown artist. I'm sitting here saying, guys, that's what he's supposed to do. Like, that's what he's coached to do. If guys aren't open, what, you want him to force it? You want him to force it? Because then, then you rip him for throwing interceptions and being dumb and making poor decisions. No, he's being a good quarterback and making the right decision. Now, whether a case here or there where like maybe he was a little too conservative. Yeah, maybe a time or two early in the year, but it wasn't nearly what some people were making it out to be. So Carson was great. Fantastic. Awesome for us. But was he a better player than Malachi Starks? Was he better than Malachi? Because Malachi is first-team All-American, guys. He's a first-team All-American. Carson was great. It wasn't an All-American. It wasn't on any of those All-American lists. Doesn't mean he wasn't great because there are some really talented quarterbacks in this draft class, obviously, but Malachi and Brock are the are the first team All-Americans here, guys. Malachi deserved it. It wasn't just like a reputation thing. No, Malachi is awesome. I mean, he was great as a true freshman, was a true freshman at times, made some mistakes. This year, he was playing a lot faster because he was more comfortable, knew more of the defense, understood what we were trying to do. I mean, guys, that dude's a first-round draft pick. 
Like he's going to be a high first round draft pick. I know safeties don't typically get drafted as high as corners, but I'm very confident he will be a, a first round draft pick after next season. Now Carson probably will be too. So you know, 2024, all bets are off. We'll see. Maybe Carson wins that next year and he's a better player than Malachi. Maybe. But this year, I would still give at least a slight edge to Malachi as a more outstanding player than Carson Beck was this year, even as great as Carson was. Malachi's a freak. I mean, he is, guy. He's a freakish athlete, and he got better this season because he learned more what to do. He's more comfortable, more confident in the system. And next year, I mean, it's going to be ungodly how good this guy is. I know we're all upset about losing Caleb Downs. We would love to have Caleb Downs. But, you know, it doesn't hurt as much when you got a guy like Malachi Starks back there who very well could end up being better than Caleb Downs. So I just wanted to give Malachi a little love there because I was honestly surprised. I was quite surprised that he got the lowest vote total in the most outstanding player category, only 4.3% of the votes. I was surprised by that. So I had to give him a little love. But Brock, Brock was definitely the most outstanding player on the 2023 Georgia football team. But all right, guys, that's all I got for today. There are our awards. I hope you enjoyed it. I really appreciate you guys that took the time out to vote. I know it took you probably about 10 seconds, but I really appreciate it. I, I love for you guys to be able to, again, have some input on this show and kind of control the show like you did today. This episode might be over, but we're not done this week. I will be back on Thursday night with our weekly UGA Hoops Report. I had to push that back again this week to Thursday because we don't play until Wednesday. I really wanted to do another episode earlier, like yesterday, recapping the, the game against Florida and kind of previewing this game against Alabama, but I just didn't have time to make that happen. So we're going to go back. We're going to recap the, the Alabama game, obviously, that we're going to play tomorrow, and then we're going to also recap the loss at Florida, the overtime, the crushing overtime loss at Florida over the weekend, and then we'll preview this weekend's game as well. So we have a lot of great Georgia basketball coverage for you guys. The, the feedback has been really, really positive for those episodes. I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. You know I love me some college basketball. I've always been hesitant to really go hardcore into Georgia basketball talk because the interest hasn't always been there because we haven't been great, but you guys are responding in, in a really big way, and I appreciate you listening to those episodes, and I really appreciate all the positive feedback and the, and the support that you guys are giving us on those episodes. So thank you. We'll have that for you tomorrow. But I'm Tyler, and as always... Go dogs! <laughs>